And so at that point, I like really started to analyze my expenses, paid off my student loans as quickly as I could and a bunch of stuff like that. And I realized I could pursue something I enjoyed blogging instead of continuing with the day job that I really despised. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. All right, so if you guys notice, we have some awesome music for this podcast. And huge shout-out to Joel, our homie, over at Fi180.com. And also shout-out to his brother, John, because they made this sweet track. And I think Justin and I are going to roll with it. We really like how it sounds. Yeah, those funky jams have got me ready for financial independence. <laughs> oh, baby. So thanks again, Joel, so much. Like I said before, you can check out his blog over at Fi180.com. And he makes some sweet beats now because he retired at 32 and he can do whatever he wants with his days. So on today's show, we have an episode that I actually recorded live at FinCon. And so Justin, unfortunately, was not part of the interview, but it was such a good interview that we felt we had to share it anyway. So Justin is not in this interview, but Justin is here with me right now. So what's up, Justin? Oh, not much, man. Just... I'm a little jealous, though. I mean, you got you got some good content here. <laughs> and so who we have on the show today is Michelle Schroeder-Gardner. And you might have heard of her. She blogs over at Making Sense of Sense. And this isn't just some little blog where she has five people reading. She has been blogging since 2011 and built her blog up to where she's bringing in $1.5 million a year from something that just started as a hobby. Yeah, and I mean, when you listen to this episode, I think that's one of the things that jumped out to me was how kind of humble and nonchalant she was about it, which I think says a lot about the person. But I mean, you know, she's just like, yeah, you know, and it started making some money. And it's like, no, she's making a ton <laughs> of money. <laughs> yeah. If I was making a 1.5 mil a year on my blog, I think I'd be, uh, <laughs> I'd be all set. <laughs> I'm still trying to make like $1.5. You know? <laughs> all right, Justin. Well, let's stop talking about her and let's bring in Michelle to the show. Bring it on. Today with me on the show, I have Michelle Schroeder-Gardner from Making Sense of Sense. And for those of you who don't know her story, it is truly incredible. She went from zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> Thank you. And so, Michelle, I'd love if you could just take a dive into the beginning of your blogging journey. Like, what made you want to start your blog and what made you want to start talking about finance? Yeah, so I started my blog back in August of 2011. Um, back then, it was all just completely a hobby. I didn't know that blogs can make money. I didn't know that there were such things as like professional bloggers or blogging businesses or anything like that. I started my blog purely just for myself and as a hobby. I just wanted to talk about my student loans, living paycheck to paycheck, spending all my money on clothing and food and stuff like that, and just like having a really bad grasp on like managing my finances. And I want to say it was about six or seven months in, I made my first $100 through a networking connection that I had through the financial community. And it all just quickly grew from there. Around that time, I was also publishing on Making Sense of Sense that I was trying to find a way to make extra money, but I didn't know that like blocks can make money or anything like that. So I'm like writing on my blog like 30, 40 hours a week, working at my full-time job as a financial analyst, like 40 to 50 hours a week. And I'm typing like, I need to find another job. And eventually my readers were just like, you should probably turn your blog into your next side hustle. And it pretty much just grew from there. I ended up quitting my financial analyst job around two years after I started making Sense of Sense. 
And so at what point after you started your blog, did you realize that you could actually monetize this thing to the point where you could quit your day job? So you made your first $100 from that networking connection, but when did you realize this could actually replace my day income and I could go live a location-independent life? Um, so it was about probably one and a half years in. So I want to say around that time, I was making around like $5,000 a month through my blog and through freelancing and staff writing and stuff like that. And at that time, I was still anonymous. And one of my friends actually realized I was doing something on the side. And he like, he was like, I'm going to figure out what it is. <laughs> and he just like, it was apparently super easy because he just like typed my name into Google and my blog came right up, even though I had like a pen name and everything. So after that, all my friends found out I had a blog and they all told me like, why don't you just turn this into like a full-time job? And so at that point, I like really started to analyze my expenses, paid off my student loans as quickly as I could and a bunch of stuff like that. And I realized I could pursue something I enjoyed blogging instead of continuing with the day job that I really despised. So I kind of want to hop back in your story. So you were a financial analyst when you started the blog? Yep. Yes. And so... With a background in finance, is that what you went to college for? Yes. So how did writing come so naturally to you? Did you take lessons? Like, were you just a naturally gifted writer or? Definitely not. I always think back, like, my high school, like, English teachers are probably like, what, Michelle's a professional writer? Like, she was horrible in school. I hated writing. <laughs> I think it's because I started my blog more as a hobby and just for me that I just naturally got really into it. I loved talking about myself, like, my journey and stuff like that and engaging with the readers. And if you go to Making Sense of Sense, like, it's not like generic financial pieces. Like, it's, I write like I'm talking to someone, and I think that's what makes it a lot more enjoyable. Okay. For you and the readers, I'm guessing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. No, it's definitely a different thing, like writing an English essay versus yeah. writing to talking. someone, like you're talking to someone. Yes. And I'm sure you get value when you probably get hundreds of readers who said, like, you've changed my financial life. I turned this around, turned that around. So Yeah, and that's really great. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason That's the reason why I do this. That's why I podcast. That's why I blog. Just to get those like one-off emails where you just change someone's life. It's, yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, I just want to... We kind of glazed over like zero to $5,000 in a month. And <laughs> that is quite a big jump. And I just love if you could talk a little bit more about the stuff you were doing. So I know you were doing the freelancing. You were doing the staff writing. Right, staff writing. And you were doing the blogging. So I would just love to talk about... Like really getting into the nitty gritty of how you were doing the networking, how you were finding connections, how you were getting affiliates and stuff like that. Um, so in the very beginning, my business was a little bit different back then because right now I don't do like any staff writing, no freelancing, nothing like that. But in the beginning, since I was trying to pay off my student loans, I was trying to turn it into a full time job. I was doing tons of different things to build up my income. So I was like staff writing for a bunch of personal finance websites. I was managing social media like Facebook and Twitter for a bunch of websites and then I was also blogging on Making Sense of Sense. I really wasn't doing too much affiliate marketing back then. It was mainly like sponsored partnerships. Okay. So a lot of things I was doing back then was like were like just one-time deals. And I feel like that's why eventually I ended up quitting all the freelancing. I ended up focusing almost entirely on affiliate marketing and my course. It's because I wanted to build up the passive income. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's just a lot there. So how exactly were you finding these programs though? Like were sponsors just coming to you and saying, you have great content, we'll pay you X number of dollars to put this on your site for a month? Or how did that happen? Um, so for the most part, companies emailed me. So they might just like, since I was on all the websites, staff writing and managing all these different websites, a lot of companies would just simply find me. They would send me an email, ask me if I wanted to partner with them, like through a sponsored review or a sponsored post or something like that. And yeah, they just usually they start with a number and I always aim a little bit higher and negotiate from there. 
The same thing goes for like affiliate programs. If someone wants me to review a product, I negotiate from there too, like per commission and stuff. Okay. And so something I actually have never heard you talk about on another podcast I'm curious about are what are your thoughts on college? Because it seems like all the skills that you've developed to earn yourself quite a handsome income are not skills that you gained in college, like writing, social media, and stuff like that. So I'd love to hear your take on whether or not people should go to college. Yeah, so I definitely think college is still a great choice if you want to do it. So for me, I do have three college degrees. I have two undergraduate degrees, so as well as my MBA. And while I can't really remember anything from either of my undergraduate degrees, <laughs> I do think my MBA was super helpful because it taught me like the background of running a business. So, I mean, I think it really depends on the person. I know plenty of people who have really great websites and they definitely did not go to college and it hasn't held them back at all. So I think it really just depends on what you want to do. For me, when I was 18 or 17, when I started college, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. So going to college just was a natural thing for me to do while I figured it out. Okay. So you think college kind of helps you learn how to learn? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing for me. Like, the stuff that I'm really passionate about, it's not stuff that I learned in college per se. It's just developing the skills to actually learn how to do SEO, learn how to do social media. do Yeah. All the, yeah so. Well, I should say if I would have never had student loans from college, I probably would have never started making Sense of Sense. Because oh. so, I started it to talk about my student loans. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of needed college for that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Okay. So let's hop back forward into your story. So you're making $5,000 a month off your blog. So that's like, it's a pretty good income. It's 60K a year. When did it really start taking off? Like, when did the blog start going to the next level? And you're like, wow, I have more money than I know what to do with. Yeah. So around the time when I quit my financial analyst day job, I was making around like five to 10,000 at that point. But it was when I made the really big leap, probably, I can't remember if it was like six months or a year after that, I decided to fire all of my freelance clients. So one day I just like sent out an email and I was just like, here's my notice, like, <laughs> give me what you want to give. But after that, I am done. I'm not going to freelance, manage any social media, no writing or anything like that. I was a little afraid to do that, definitely, because a lot of my income came from freelancing. But I think it was like the very next month, my income tripled. And that's because I was able to completely focus on making sense of sense. And just having that focus like really helped the website grow. And was it like content or was it like just pushing previous content through social media, through SEO, through stuff like that? Just having more time to write better content, more time to promote better. They always say like spend like 80% of your time promoting and only 20% of your time writing. And at that time, I was probably spending 100% of my time writing and like no time at all promoting. Okay. So. And then there's the organic growth too, because you're one of the few personal finance blogs who started back in 2011. Mm-hmm. So there's very few who have had that long of a span into 2018. And I feel like the vast majority of people who kind of stuck with it are definitely doing well. Yeah, if you stick with it, like, so the average blogger quits at like six months in and that's because they're not making any money or they feel like it's too tiring, it's too much work. And it's definitely that six month hump that you have to get over. And for those bloggers that maybe are feeling stuck, are feeling a little depressed, do you think it's like just keep grinding, keep grinding, doing the same stuff? Or should they niche down, branch out? try new things? Or what exactly is your advice on that? Um, it definitely depends on the blogger. Like you might want to analyze what you're doing. Like are, are you really learning the correct strategies? Like when it comes to like affiliate marketing or SEO or Pinterest and stuff like that? Is it your topic? Is it your writing style? You definitely want to analyze like what you may be doing wrong and what you can change. So another question I have is when you started making like a lot more income than you could spend, I know you're still super frugal. Yesterday we were talking and you were telling me how you would ride your bike to the grocery store yeah. and people would make fun of you. Yes. Because it's a frugal thing to do. But 
So what did your savings rate look like? So you're just saving like 95, 99% of your income or did you have a lot of lifestyle creep, lifestyle inflation hit you? Um, we still save like a really good chunk of our income. I would definitely say like 90 to 95% of our income is saved after like business expenses and stuff like that. I'm still a very frugal person. Like the dress I'm wearing, I bought like three years ago. The cardigan I'm wearing, I bought like when I was a teenager. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, you're not that far off from your teens. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Got it like 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. But that's awesome because I feel like that's a huge thing. Like people stick to their roots no matter how much money they make. That's a theme I've seen in the Fi community. Like no matter how much money people are making from their side hustles, from their day job, they still stick to those frugal roots that got them to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just super important. Yeah, and I definitely agree. That's definitely something that's unique to the Fi community mm-hmm. is this idea of frugality. Like people we making over a million dollars a year spending like 30 or 40K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and to the rest of the world, we look like psychopaths. Yes, exactly. <laughs> definitely. So fast forward to today, Michelle. What are you doing and what are your plans for the next five years? So like whenever someone asks me, like, what's my plan for the next five years, I always laugh. A few years ago, when we first bought our RV, we had like these RV friends. And I remember they came into the RV. It was like the second day we had it. And they were just like, so what's your plan? Like, how long are you going to keep it? And me and my husband looked at each other. and We're just like, well, we're going to RV forever. Like, this is like our 100 year plan. And they just laughed. And they were just like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, talk to us. You're doing this next year still. Like, let's see what you're actually doing. And um, so like full-time travel life has definitely made it so that, I mean, I don't even know where I'll be next month, really. It's kind of everything's just all up in the air. I definitely still want to be full-time traveling. We just moved on to a boat, but I don't know where we'll be on it or what we'll be doing. So okay, I live life uh, with no schedule. Day by day? I hate schedules. (laughs) I like it. Because I know something that you said, you post on Mondays and Wednesdays, right? Yes. But you like front load your content to the max. Like you have just a ton of articles to go in the arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess that, so you're not really holding yourself to a schedule since you already have the content. Yep. Definitely. I definitely like doing that. But a schedule is nice for readers or someone listening to the podcast. Like mm-hmm. you kind of have to have that rigidity, but if you can front load all the work, that's, that's kind of like a life hack. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love just being able to write a bunch of content and schedule it ahead of time. It saves a ton of time. It's kind of like the same principle as financial independence. Like you're building up this nest egg yeah. so you can pull from <laughs> it instead of living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. It's like anything, like work or saving money. I, yeah. I really like that idea. Yeah, I remember when I first started blogging, I was so I would still publish like every Monday and I would be writing like the next blog post on Sunday night oh. to publish like just a few hours later. It's like I can't go to sleep until I publish it. And that was just horrible back then. Yeah, no, it's awful. I've been in that position before. Yeah. I've been in that position in the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sucks. So my question to you is, what is your reason for coming to FinCon? So you already have established yourself. You already have a really well-performing blog. Is it just the connections? Are you trying to get some more business opportunities out of this? I'm just curious what your drive is. Um, there's a lot of reasons for why I come to FinCon. So this is my sixth FinCon, and I come for the connections. Like, I love meeting new people. I love meeting my readers. I love hanging out with, like, the same group that I hang out with, like, every single year, my good blogging friends. But I also like the energy that's here. So, like, whenever I come here, I always leave, like, super refreshed, tons of new ideas, and super motivated. And it's just a really good feeling. I definitely wish FinCon was more than once a year, but I'm glad I can go back to the boat and go to sleep. And that'll be nice. That will be nice. Yeah. yeah. So on the same thread, I'm so inspired when I come here. Like I'm about to go quit my day job on Monday, <laughs> just talking to all these people. So I actually, we talked about this yesterday, but I'd love if you could jump back in time to when you quit your day job and just 
the, I guess, emotions and the thought process behind that. Because it's scary leaving that stability. Because you're like, what happens if like my blog shuts down or all these affiliate partners don't want to work with me anymore? Yeah, so it was definitely very scary leaving my day job. Like, I still remember, like, I probably sat, like, in my office for, like, two or three months, like, and I just couldn't turn on my notice. I was like, <laughs> not today. But I would wake up every morning saying, like, this is the day. And I would I would just not do it at all. And I remember being so scared, so afraid, like, almost, like, trembling. Like, I just can't do it today. But my husband actually turned in. So we both quit around the same time, but he turned in his notice first. Because oh. he was – and. They, like, begged him to stay. They, like, called them over and over again. They were, like, making a huge mistake. And then I remember talking to my, like, teenage, from my teenage years, I talked to my boss. Like, I went into her office, and I, like, told her what I was doing just because I still kept up with her. And she was, like, what are you thinking? So, I mean, I had we had all these people telling us that we were crazy. But one day, I just turned in my notice, and I was just, it was, it was a good day. It was definitely scary, but I still had to work, like, another two months after that. Oh, okay. So, it was, it was really weird still having to work after turning in my notice and was your boss like upset or they were supportive or it was a very small like boutique investment firm that i worked at and it, it was definitely awkward because there's only four of us so <laughs> oh my god you just have to work every day and they know you're quitting in two months and yeah. you're what 24 years old at the time yeah around that age oh, it, was, man. it was rough because i had worked there for like three and a half years and like they needed me so i think that's like really uh, played into the whole me being so nervous to quit because I felt so bad because they were great people. <laughs> and so I guess on the same thread as that, what did fam- uh, family and friends say? Because when I tell people about like blogging, podcasting, any side hustle at all, they're like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started making Sense of Sense, it was anonymous. And the only person who knew knew about it was uh, my husband. And I think I told like my sister, but like none of my friends knew about it. None of my good friends had any idea that I was like, staying up all night long, using my lunch breaks and stuff like that to work on the blog. And I did that for like a year and a half before eventually everyone found out. And they just really don't, I don't know, I guess it hasn't really phased them. They don't really care. Like they're, they love the blog, but it's not like it's, they've never been judgmental about it. Okay. Everyone's always been really good, except for like our bosses. Those are the only people who are like, you're making a huge mistake. So, so your family was all for you quitting your job at 24? Yeah, they were all fine with it. I guess they just thought it would be okay. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so are people in your family financially savvy or did you kind of pick it up on your own? Um, everyone in my family, both of our families, I mean, they're, they've all been pretty good with money. I mean, no one's like a millionaire or anything, but I mean, they're all a f- pretty frugal bunch and understand how to save and stuff like that. Okay. Cause I, I feel like that's pretty huge. Like I, I had a frugal upbringing and I feel like that's a very common thread in the five community. Like, yeah. Yeah. So either people come from poverty or extreme frugality and that kind of forces them down this rabbit hole. And then when they start building their income, they just keep that same lifestyle and then they're able to save 20, 30, 40 50 plus percent of their income, which supercharges their path to financial independence. Yeah, definitely. My dad was like super frugal and I won't like, sorry, mom, if you listen to this, my mom wasn't like the greatest with money, but we always had my dad (laughs) and he's the one who managed everything. So yeah, I'm still here. I'm still alive because he was really good with money. Okay. Don't worry. I won't send this to your mom over (laughs) Facebook or anything like that. Don't let her listen to it. So just so people don't think we're a bunch of frugal weirdos who are just obsessed with money, what do you do in your spare time? Because you kind of built this passive business where you're bringing in money every month. I mean, you're still doing work, but you have a hell of a lot of time to do basically whatever you want. So I'd love to hear when you're not sailing the world, what are your hobbies and what do you like to do? Um, so mainly just like, so when I'm not blogging and I would definitely say sailing's definitely a passion right now, RVing, traveling, I love to hike. One thing that I really loved about RVing was just being able to drive our RV like 
up to a little spot right next to a mountain and, and going to climb it that day or going on a long hike with my dog. So we definitely love biking. We've always had like mountain bikes, road bikes, and tour bikes. Like when we had our RV, we had like four or five bikes in there. Um, now on the boat, we just have the two like folding bikes. But we definitely like like anything outdoor related. I definitely love to hike and bike and stuff like that. I'm excited to finally leave Florida in a few months and probably do some hiking because hiking in 100 degree heat is not fun. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, I feel like that's another common theme in this financial independence type space. Like everyone is about bettering themselves, whether it be money, fitness, anything, just knowledge. Like people are all about self-improvement. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's, it's a common theme for a reason. Like that's the reason why people are chasing this path. So something I'm curious about, I know the blog did not start like toward financial independence or anything like that. So when did you kind of get involved with the financial independence community? Um, I definitely love like all of the fire blogs and stuff like that. Like I love our next life. I do- I love Mr. Money Mustache. I just love reading all of the websites. And I think that just like really motivated me to be more interested in pursuing like a better work-life balance. Because I saw all these people like retiring early and making sense of sense is great. And that's why I try as hard as I can to improve my affiliate income and like all the passive income sources. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Michelle. If people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place they can reach you? Definitely just going to makingsenseofsense.com and you'll see like all of my personal finance, travel and lifestyle articles. But if you want to follow my travel, I definitely recommend going to instagram.com slash Michelle Schro. And that's just all travel photos. I like barely ever talk about money on there. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I love your travel photos and because you've been traveling to amazing places. So yeah. definitely give her a follow on there. Thank you. Okay. So this is the wild card question. It's the last question of the podcast. I'm not ready. I didn't prepare. You know I didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) So I hope you're ready. I'm just going to whip up something off the top of my head. Good luck. What is the most unhealthy thing you've ate in the last week? Last week? Oh, my God. I'm like the worst. So... (laughs) When my husband, so my husband did like a 30 day like delivery from France to Croatia and I was just at home by myself and he did another sailing trip in July and that time, both of those times, all I did was I went to the grocery store and I just filled up a cart full of candy and I'm like the worst. I'm like, oh, he's gone. He won't judge me for just eating candy the whole time. And so, I mean, I'm definitely not the person to ask that question because I can live off of cake, brownies and candy. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad I asked. That's a good good answer. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again for coming on. Your story is amazing. And I hope the listeners are definitely going to get some value. So thank you again. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So Justin, you definitely missed out and Michelle's just one cool girl. Like she's so down to earth and real. And it's really surprising because you think this person's making $1.5 million a year. And unfortunately, a lot of the traits that get associated with with those caliber of people is like, oh, they don't really care about other people. They're self-centered. They're just rich person. But that's not Michelle at all. She's telling me how she still rides her bike to the grocery store. She still holds on to those frugal roots. And I think that's just so important. And She's really focusing on living her best life. Like her and her husband are out traveling the world on a yacht. (laughs) It's the coolest thing ever. And it's just, it's really refreshing to know that there are these people who are hyper successful, but they're real. And the way that she just sticks with her frugality lets you see that that's not something where she just started the blog to try to get rich and then run away and do her thing. Like that was something genuine that she wanted to do. Like she really wanted to get her finances straight. And you could tell that because it was a, you know, it was a true passion. 
because she's putting 30 or 40 hours into that blog when she started on top of a normal, you know, 50 hour grind in a financial institution. So Justin, I think that's the perfect segue into this week's call to action. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this week, what I think listeners can get from this is that when you're looking for that side hustle, instead of trying to force yourself into, you know, like, Oh, what can I do? And Googling it and seeing that you can drive an Uber or, you know, walk dogs. Think about a hobby that you have that you already enjoy and just monetize it. Definitely. So that is your challenge. Like go out and find something you like doing. And eventually, if you start looking hard enough, there will be ways to monetize it. And if you work really hard, you might end up like Michelle retiring when you're 24 years old. (laughs) That would be really nice. If you're past that, don't worry about it. You don't have to compare yourself to Michelle, but she's super inspirational and someone that we can all look up to. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, she was living paycheck to paycheck when she started this off, and she just wrote this to learn about personal finance herself, you know, learning how to pay off her student loans because she was spending all of her money on eating out and clothes. So as you listen to this, and it can be daunting, like you hear, oh, she retired at 24. She didn't have it figured out either, and it might take you a little longer, but you shouldn't get discouraged because, you know, she needed a lot of help getting started. Yeah, I mean, you can't let your own insecurities and your limiting beliefs be the things that hold you back. Like just go out there and do it. You might make every mistake in the book, but all of those mistakes will compound and eventually you'll have this skill set that's hopefully useful to other people and that you can enjoy and monetize. And I think that's that's definitely one of the key takeaways I had with this conversation with Michelle. Yeah, there's very few, you know, great skills that we learn in life that we don't kind of fail at at first. I mean, you didn't just jump on a bicycle and start riding the thing. So it's it's okay to fall a few times. <laughs> And so everything that we talked about today can be found in the show notes at thefyshow.com slash Michelle. And be sure to join our Facebook community where you can talk with other people who are listening to the same show as you, and you can share your thoughts, your questions, and your comments about the episode. Or if you're feeling wild, send us a voicemail. We can play it on the show if it's relevant, and Justin and I will tackle it as best we can. If you like what you heard, please go leave us a rating and review on iTunes. All right, guys. Well, thanks again so much for tuning in to another episode of The Fi Show. Next week on Tuesday, we're going to be launching an episode with one of the OGs in this community, J.D. Roth, the man himself. So make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next awesome episode. See you on next week's episode of The Fi Show.